It's episode 108 of Off Script with Trish Glose, intimate interviews with interesting people. Joining me via Skype today, I should say Skype-ish, is Lisa Stardust, an astrologer based in New York City. Lisa, hi, good morning, or good afternoon, I guess. Hi. Morning, how are you? I am well, so you're having some some technical difficulties, which I said is the story of my life. So we can't see you today, but we can hear you, and that's the most important part. Yeah, I know, it's so crazy. I feel that two planets just left their post-retrograde shadow, and then I think all the other planets are just creating a lot of havoc, everything, like communication. So it's just been a little crazy. Yeah, we are getting into the astrology right off the bat, which I love. I'm so excited to break all this down because I'm the biggest dum-dum when it comes to astrology. I mean, I have a little bit of a handle on it, but you're going to really break it down for me. First of all, where are you from originally, Lisa? Um, I'm from New York City. Okay, born and raised? And Yeah, born and raised in New York City. And I've lived, you know, like various parts of like the East Coast throughout, you know, my years. I went to college in Washington, D.C., so I spent a good amount of time in D.C. after, like the D.C. area after. But, um, you know, I know you're on the West Coast, mm-hmm. and I long to move to the West Coast at some point. So, Well, come on. We're ready for you. Come on mm-hmm. over. Um, what was childhood like for you growing up in New York City and in D.C.? What was that like? Um. You know, I grew up in New York City, and as I said in an, an article that I wrote, my grandmother was really into astrology. She was really into Walter Mercado, and my parents were kind of, you know, new age parents in the 80s and 90s, so they kind of were a, went on that new age train. So growing up, there were a lot of books about crystals, astrology, and, you know, past life regressions and Reiki. So I kind of grew up with a lot of, you know, occult or metaphysical, surrounded by a lot of metaphysical books. And my great grandmother was a tarot reader in the Lower East Side in the 1930s. So I learned a lot about tarot growing up as a child as well through her. So there was, you know, a lot of you know, like a lot of astrology, a lot of like knowledge about crystals. I actually wanted to be a gemologist growing up or a mineralogist growing up so I could study crystals and gems. Hmm. So wasn't too far off from where I actually wound up going, but. But it runs in your family. I mean, you get this honest. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, did, 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 did you know your great grandmother? Yeah. Um, my great-grandmother, I, she, you know, I, yeah, like, she actually, she passed away, I think, when I was about 12 years old or 11. Okay. And we used to, you know, she used to always pull tarot cards, and she's, I remember going over, and she would be pulling her cards. She actually used playing cards to read tarot. And she would always have a glass of orange juice by the door of the balcony for like the spirits to come in because spirits love citrus, apparently. So 
you know, it was very much growing up in a very much like occult friendly or esoteric type of family where we all kinds of believed in, you know, that there was a higher, you know, spiritual being or sure. people that kind of usher our, our usher us into finding out the universal truths. So spirits love citrus. Yes, amongst other things. Hmm. Yes. Uh, I drink a lot of margaritas in my house, so I I'm, must have <laughs> lots of hopefully good spirits coming in and out. Um, I read somewhere that you were actually curious about constellations super young, which makes sense given what you've just told me about your family, but you were actually curious about constellations at a very young age. Yeah, um, so I learned when I was really, I got really into mythology and I remember mythology in Aesop's fables growing up and it kind of really like, it made kind of sense to me, you know, because every myth, mythological story has a lesson and Aesop's fable has a lesson, you know? So I remember, you know, going through that as a child and like being very logical minded and being like, okay, like, it's like, if you steal something, you're going to turn into a horse. Like that makes sense. And or like, you're going to be punished, you know, like and live with your mother in a cave for 10 years. Like, okay. It made sense to me. And I also was really always, intrigued by the stars and you know just looking at the stars and it just was like wow these two subjects kind of intersected so a lot of astrologers aren't really into astronomy mm -hmm. but I actually you know am one of the few astrologers who's into astronomy and mythology so it's really interesting and cool that I kind of intersect those as well for sure so a lot of times when I talk about signs and like planets I talk about the mythological story behind them and that's how I explain things to people because it makes more sense that way and was this the path that you took um in school like was this like yeah this is what I'm going to do so here's where I'm going with it and, and you kept studying that um I actually studied literature oh. in school and um I mean it's part of the same you know, reason just because I felt that, you know, astrology, when you're an astrologer, a lot of the transits, you kind of paint your own story when you're writing horoscopes. And I kind of really like that you could read a book and interpret the book your own way that you wanted to. And, it, you know, it was really neat because you have a lot of professors and, you know, teachers who would say it's so, like no matter there's no wrong way to interpret something. That's your opinion. Um, and in high school, I had a really wonderful teacher named Mr. Kawano, who basically pushed us all to kind of see things from a different perspective, you know, where mm -hmm. you can think more outside the box and, that really influenced me to, you know, do the work that I'm doing where he would always say there's no right or wrong. You know, it's like if you're going to be someone who's writing, it's sort of like painting a picture, you know, like it's your interpretation. You know, what I do is based on fact, but, you know, it's when we do horoscopes, we look at the whole week at a glance or the whole month at a glance mm -hmm. or even the whole year or decade. And we sort of basically pick up on specific things that other people wouldn't. That's what makes them so special and unique to the horoscope writer. 
Interesting. So, yeah. Did you have an aha moment? Like, okay, you're studying literature, but was there ever a point where you said, you know what, astrology's for me. This is the path I need to go down. I mean, of course I did. I just felt that in life that, you know, I, I, I was always fascinated by the stars, but I, I guess I never really felt that this was something that I could do, you know, for a living. And I think that a lot of it was that there is such a stigma that was associated with astrology. And it took me like a really, you know, it, actually it didn't really take me that long, but you know, when you tell someone, oh, I'm an astrologer, like this is what I do. Sometimes people give you the, you know, the eye roll behind your or, back. But, or you're like cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Yeah, but I think a lot of that's changing because I think that mm -hmm. a lot of people who are, you know, in their 20s, they all fancy themselves an astrologer. So I feel that everyone's sort of embracing it as time goes on. Well, break it down for me. What does it mean to be an astrologer? What does that mean to you? Well, for me, I've actually been studying astrology since I was a little kid. So, um, you know, professionally, I've been studying, I've been practicing astrology for over a decade. Excuse me. So it's been at least like, I want to say like 13 years that I've been studying astrology, I mean, practicing astrology professionally. Um, and if we're talking about how long I've been studying astrology, I would say it's been, you know, close to like, it's been over 30 years, you know? So I think that for me, it's more about really understanding, you know, the transits and how you connect with them and how people experience them. Because I think that just because there's a transit going on, what they say in the book and what they say in text isn't necessarily true. So a lot of the times there are things that are happening and people have a different reaction to them based on their chart. And also being an astrologer beyond just interpreting transits, it's also a little bit of being a therapist because mm -hmm. you really have to listen to people and understand what they're trying to say and what they're trying to ask about and, you know, be sensitive to them as you explain everything to them. So it's basically like a, like three, you know, a few jobs in one, you know? For sure. Yeah. Um, you're probably, you're probably going to roll your eyes at some of my dummy questions, but how does, how does astrology play into writing horoscopes? Um, well, horoscope writing is based on the transits that are happening. So on the, write, I'm sorry, the what that's happening? The transits that are happening in the sky. Okay. So if looking at, we look at an ephemeris, which basically has all of the, like everything that's going on in the week, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, a, it's, you know, you look at an ephemeris and it says, oh, um, Mercury is turning retrograde today. Um, the moon is in Scorpio. And when you look at, and ephemeris, it shows you how the planets connect and what signs are in and how the signs and the planets are connecting. And when you're writing horoscopes, like I said before, you're kind of just looking at all of the transits that are happening and you're sort of putting them together based on the different signs. So every sign has a different story. So there's a, there's a specific way to write horoscopes and we write them for the sign and you know, we write it as if like 
the sun sign is, you know, is, um, you know, like the, the ascendant of the chart. And then we sort of really get into like what's happening within the chart. So it's sort of like building a chart every week for mm-hmm. each sun sign. Okay. Okay. And then that tells you kind of what's happening or what could be happening with this particular person who has this sign? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. And I know a lot of people, horoscopes are a big deal. Like it's an everyday thing. They're reading their horoscope every single day. It kind of puts them on a path of like, okay, this is where my day is headed. What have you seen in the last decade um, as far as horoscopes and what they mean for people? Um, I think that a lot of people have always taken their horoscope seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of that is, in my opinion, you know, Walter Mercado, there's a documentary about him on Netflix and he passed away last year. He was really pivotal in bringing people's horoscopes to them, you know, daily and weekly on TV and on radio. And a lot of people, you know, religiously listened to his show. And he would pull a tarot card by a zodiac sign, and he became such a personality, you know, in the astrology community. And he also was probably one of the greatest astrologers of our time. And, you know, I think that when you're telling a horoscope or you're telling, you know, like you're reading someone's chart, it's really important to sort of kind of have a lot of knowledge about a lot of different things, you know, that are going on, whether it be astrology and tarot or magic or just kind of be aware of everything going on in the universe that's magical so you can explain it on a deeper level to people. Yeah. And your horoscopes actually have ended up in some huge, huge places as far as publications go. Yeah. How did you get into that? Um, I honestly just started writing horoscopes and I was really lucky enough because I got my first job through someone who found me on social media and my mentor was the teacher was is Annabelle Gatt who writes for Broadly and Vice and you know like through her like people looking at her page you know what I mean like mm-hmm. they found me because people are always looking for opportunities so you know it's it's pretty cool I think I wrote for sanctuary which is a really big um astrology website now that was my first writing job and then my second one was for girl boss interesting did the did the literature (laughs) studying literature really play a role in writing horoscopes for you i mean i think that (laughs) dramatically (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think that like um you know because i I, you know, like I, I'm a writer, so it's mm-hmm. not that, I mean, I'm basically telling the story of what's going on, but I think that knowing how to like use proper grammar helps too, you know, I guess, so. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as, as a yeah. journalist, I'm a stickler for, for good grammar. It drives me nuts when we get these really nasty complaints from emails and everything's spelled wrong. I just want to write back and fix their email. Um, Talk to me a little bit about a horoscope as far as 
do, are, are your, some of your clients especially looking at this as this is what's going to happen, a prediction, or is it more guidance for you? I mean, I think both. I okay. think that, I mean, I... So I, I do a lot of horary astrology mm-hmm. and horary astrology is basically sort of like we're looking at the transits and we're pulling a question and it's a burning question of the moment. So what happens with the horary chart is that you're asking a question, is this person cheating on me? I just wrote an article for Refinery29 about how I found out someone was being cheating on me through a horror chart I did for myself and how you get, you can help the current, the person you're doing the chart for find the burning question and even yourself. And wow. if you know how to do that, which is a specialty, you know, you can find the answer for three months time. So horary is like a very particular form of astrology, which I was taught by my mentor Annabelle over like, a decade ago and that's really a specialty because the rules are very different and but a lot of astrologers like really want to learn it because it can give you like concise answers so it's sort of like really hard and fast tarot questions hmm. so my favorite thing to play is when I pull up when I have mutual clients right and you know, they go to a colleague of mine for tarot readings and they say, can you and Mike, can you and this person discuss your answers? Because this has happened a few times. So I love this game with like, oh, this is what I got. What did you get? And they get the same answer. So it's really clarifying, you know, when you get the same details and the same answers and interpretations through horary and tarot. Um, so you know, I think that that is more predictive. I also think that astrology is really great for timing and really great for explaining the energy and telling what people are in the mood for. Um, I've seen astrology and tarot do amazing things. I've seen it predict things dead on 99.999% of the time. So in my opinion, yeah, it is predictive. Um, Is it really for guidance? Yeah. Like I said before, that being an astrologer, it's not just about reading someone's chart. It's also about listening to them Mm -hmm. and understanding them and helping them move towards their potential. Is it like being a therapist? Kind of. But I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be quoted as saying that therapist, like, you know what I mean? Because therapists you have a lot of education so you do for astrology too but you know it's like some people you know they go to astrology over again therapy because astrology helps them get faster results or come to an understanding is your partner being weird are they cheating on you why are they being weird you know you can find the answers and then talk through astrology and then talk about it with your therapist hmm. you know what I mean so oh, think yeah. about it you're basically making a shortcut because I mean, if you're like me, I'm a Gemini, I'll spend like three years talking about why someone looked weird at like <laughs> gave me a dirty look at the grocery store, you know? So uh, it's like you can sort of skip steps, you know, and get to like the bottom of it, which was, a lot of people find useful. I was going to ask you what your sign was and you said Gemini. Yeah. So I have my very dear friend, Kim knows all the signs, she knows the birthdays, like someone can say, oh, my birthday is this, and she's like, oh, you're a Scorpio. 
And so, I mean, it's obvious I, you can do the same thing, um, of course. But what does that mean to be a Gemini, like specifically? Um, you know, I think that everything is based on your birth chart. So mm -hmm. I think that there are many different factors that are related to being a sign, like your rising sign, your moon sign. Um, being a Gemini is all about being inquisitive, being flexible. Gemini is ruled by Mercury. So Gemini is the natural, it's one of the natural givers and receivers of information. So Gemini's and Virgo's are ruled by Mercury. And Gemini is the news, it's communication, it's TV, it's gossip, it's the internet, you know, mm -hmm. so it's so many things. And I think that Gemini's get a lot of bad rap just because people say, oh, Gemini's, you know, they're duplicitous. It's like, yeah, we see two different sides of a situation, which can mean that sometimes it's hard for us to make a decision because we always want to like give people the benefit of the doubt or we know where they're coming from. So mm -hmm. it can be challenging, you know, versus Virgos who are really patient and understanding. And then it's hard for them to, you know, like cut people out too, you know? So it's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. Um, do you find yourself at a party? You've just met someone, they're talking to you and you're like, okay, what I need to know your sign or can you guess their sign? Or does that become a, a topic of conversation because you just can't help yourself? I mean, I feel I used to do that a lot more than I do now yeah. <laughs> because you know, when you're not, it's sort of like when you're not, you know, if you're a lawyer and you're not, you know, at the office and people ask yes. you for legal advice party, you're kind of just like, no. Yeah, go you away. Know, you kind of have to learn how to have boundaries, but, you know, you can sort of tell that people have some energy in their chart just by talking with them or even looking at them because all the signs have different characteristics of them. So. Interesting. So fascinating. Yeah, like Pisces really have dreamy and watery eyes. My mom's a Pisces and she has like the really big doe eyes, but they're really watery and dreamy. They look like she's kind of lost in the thought or like a dream. So they're very like, you know, they're very like, you know, that song Betty Davis eyes. That's a very Pisces character, you know. Interesting. Song to describe them. Yeah. Huh. So you can just by looking at some people, you can tell what their sign is? I mean, or if they have that energy in their chart, you gotcha. know, so gotcha. it's like they say that, um, oh, an example is, let's see, let's pick a famous person. Um, I guess pick a famous person and then I'll discuss their chart. I'll a, tell you a character. A famous person. Okay. Uh, Julia Roberts. Um, you know, she, I think she is. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is her hair, right? Mm -hmm. So what sign do you think associate is associated with with hair? Well, I'm just, I'm going to guess Sagittarius. Um, it's Leo, just Leo. because Leos are known for their big yeah. fiery mane. Okay, okay, okay. So, and I always think of her, you know, from her, I feel like her thing is like, used to, you know, like in the 90s, it was like, oh, like she has like beautiful red hair, yeah. you know, from Pretty Woman. And they even make a comment about her hair in Pretty Woman. And I believe she has a Leo moon, 
which is like, oh, like I could tell right away that she has a Leo moon because she has this like really thick hair, you know, and Leo's typically have thick hair or like a big name of hair. My sister has a Leo rising and she has like, like her, you know, like thick curly hair. Um, and, you know, she's a Scorpio sun. So she kind of has the, like, you know, those like penetrating, you know, eyes, like her eyes can tell a story. Uh When you look at her, I feel that, you know, they always have a close up and her eyes, you know, like in sleeping with the enemy, she looks petrified through her eyes, Mm -hmm. you know, of her husband or, you know, in Erin Brockovich, she would make, you know, gestures with her eyes. So that's a very Scorpio thing. And she has a cancer rising. So it's also kind of like a very watery type of element, like, you know, very able to kind of transform into like acting very like sensitive, you know. Interesting. So is this when you have a client, is this what you break down for them? What you just did? They would like to talk to me about that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's fascinating. And I didn't realize, I mean, I did a little bit, but we all have a moon and a sun that's rising. I mean, I don't, what is that? I don't, I hate to have you break that down, but we all have different suns and moons as, as long, along with our signs too. Yeah. So when we're born, every, every, when we're born, we're born with our whole chart. So every few days, the moon changes. So mm-hmm. the moon, it's like, there's so much more beyond your sun sign and your sun sign is just, you know, every 30 days the sun changes signs and the sun is about your will and your ego in this lifetime. And your moon sign is about your, the way you nurture yourself. It also represents the maternal side of you or your relationship with your maternal, the maternal figure in your life. Um, and that changes every two and a half days. And your ascendant is based on the exact minute that you're born. So, you know, for me, I was actually born on um, an exact full moon. So I was actually born in a Sagittarius full moon. So unlike a lot of other Geminis, I have a Sagittarius moon. And being that it's a full moon, I kind of have, you know, this very, like, like I, I'm not known to be like, you know, how people say Geminis can tell a great story. I'm really known to be like a truth teller. Does that make sense? Because yeah. Sagittarius is all about like being blunt and being honest and, you know, being being truthful. And sometimes I do put my foot in my mouth like a Sagittarius. But, you know, when I say things that can be a little bit, you know, people might say they can be a little bit too hurtful but they appreciate the honesty behind it sure. you know so yeah it's like that's... if someone asks me a question I'm gonna just tell them the truth so yeah well I'm a Sagittarius so I know exactly that's happens to me a lot I put my foot in my mouth a lot um so what's happening with the universe in 2020 <laughs> has it gone crazy um so basically this year Like, we knew for a really long time that this year was going to be kind of bananas, as I would say, (laughs) just because... I think that's an understatement. 
I remember in 2017 saying that 2020 it was going to be crazy. So wow. I remember sitting, you know, and having these discussions with people. And I actually had a long discussion with my mentor and teacher, Annabelle Gatt. And, you know, as a Gemini, I kind of get like really into things mm -hmm. because, you know, mercurial people were like, no, I have to find the answer to this situation, <laughs> you know. I got really into the year a couple of years ago just because a lot of the planets were entering in Capricorn. So we were in the age of Capricorn, and they were all going to be eclipsed, you know, how we have eclipses like every, like a few times a year. So I remember thinking, wow, that's going to be so crazy all of these planets in Capricorn are going to be eclipsed in 2020. Like, I wonder what's going to happen. And then we also had a lot of planetary connections that haven't even happened since the 1400s, you know? And a lot of the aspects lined up with, with plagues that we've had before. So, mm. like, hundreds of years ago, you know, I believe there's a transit that lines up with the Russian plague which was cured by mandatory quarantine. There is a transit that aligns with the dancing plague, which is a real thing that people had delirium and just started dancing nonstop and they passed away from exhaustion. That is a real thing. I have fact checked that. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not. Um, I guess it's when people started dancing. I don't, I don't know. So it's really interesting that there's so many transits that line up with things that have happened in the past and they haven't happened for hundreds of years. Um, you know, when we mapped out this year, when Corona, there was the first Corona outbreak in December, I, of course, I got really into mapping out the transits just because I had known, we had known something was going to happen. Now, the problem with astrology is I'm going to be honest, I know a lot of publications, you know, shamed a lot of astrologers, is that some of the planets, it's descriptive. So if we're looking at, if we're looking years in advance at what's happening, right, some of it can be descriptive. So when we deal with a planet like Neptune, it can be an STD or it also can be mucus from your nose or mouth, right? So when we're saying how is this spreading, I mean, a lot of people thought it was going to be an STD just because Neptune is associated with STDs and Neptune's been really active this year with a lot of other planets that would kind of help spread it, you know, along. Hmm. And it's really interesting because, you know, it's, it's, you know, Corona, I believe I read that Corona can be spread through semen. Is that true? I remember reading about that a few months ago that they were investigating that. I would have to look that um, up. Yeah. So I don't know if it's spread through it, but it was found in that, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, I'll backtrack on that. But, you know, I feel that, you know, when we look at these stories as a whole, you know, when we look at it right now, we can say, okay, like, this is how it's spread, you know, just because a shot, like, there's trial and error to, like, what these planets actually mean, you know, and finding what it can mean. Um, so I definitely think that in January, I mean, I was already quarantining myself in January because I saw the transits that started to happen in January. And I remember I 
said to the hood witch that I was going to get my last. I write for the hood witch as well. Okay. I was like, who's the hood witch? Sorry. It's a very, very big, like esoteric blog. Gotcha. I remember saying to her that, oh, I'm getting my last coffee at Starbucks before I'm going into my hole for quarantine, you know, in January, just because we were about to have a bunch of really crazy transits. And that's when they started to, even now they can say that's when there was like, it was spreading in America. So it's really interesting when you look at these transits, like, you know, like how boom, 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 they all happened. Um, If we're looking at the next outbreak for COVID, I mean, I was, I had been interviewed for an article in Cosmopolitan and I had basically backtracked this because I thought that Venus retrograde was May 13th until June 25th, that we would have a false sense of security about COVID. And we did, right? We thought, okay, things are going to get better because Venus is, you know, like, it was retrograde in Gemini. So it's like people, they didn't know. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's, it was a confusing time for health because Neptune was aspecting the Venus retrograde and Neptune creates confusion and illusion. And what happened was, I believe I predicted that the other outbreak would be June 30th. And then we got to June 30th and then boom. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So then after that, I believe the other outbreak is going to be in mid-November. I'm going to say like November 11th to November 15th is when I'm predicting the next big one to happen. Um, You know, and then we can also look back and say when Saturn entered Aquarius in you know, when it entered Aquarius in March, we began social court, we began quarantining. Mm-hmm. And Saturn is about limitations. It's the planet of limitations. And Aquarius is the planet, of, it's a sign of like, you know, intellect, but Aquariuses don't necessarily, they're not huggy feely type of people. Does that make sense? <laughs> so let's just put it together. Of course, it's like, it's like, we can talk, but don't hug me, you know, like we can like intellectualize together and talk on zoom and right. use robots to communicate, but let's not, we're don't not touch me. Hands or like cuddle. So, you know, we can really backtrack a lot of these to the astrological transits of the year. Fascinating. Sure. That's absolutely fascinating. Do you have a favorite constellation? Um, I don't. <laughs> it just, it popped and, in my head, so I wanted to ask. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, as an astrologer, I have to be neutral to everybody. So <laughs> True. Okay. It's really, it's part, part of being an astrologer is that, you know, like you can't, you know, someone's like, oh, like, this is my sign. Even if you've had issues with someone who's that sign, you have to like, you know, block that off and really be in the mm-hmm. moment because you can't project anything into your interpretations. But I'm going to say Gemini, just because I'm a Gemini to answer your question. For sure. For sure. Do you ever, when you're talking about some of this stuff, um, especially in the last decade, have you ever had to defend your job and defend your beliefs because you run into someone who's like, what are you talking about? Um, not recently. That's good. I mean, my best friend since I was three years old doesn't believe in astrology, but 
you know, now she's starting to believe in it a little bit more Mm -hmm. because I gave her a mini reading and she was like, well, okay, some of the stuff you said is correct. Or I did a horror chart and she's like, well, that actually did happen. So she was like, well, it did happen, you know, but she's such a non-believer that, you know, sometimes it's like I have to like, you know, prove myself or sing for my supper when I'm with her. But, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually surprised you don't have to do that with, with more people. I mean, I'm sure the people who contact you are believers and, you know, they are looking to hear from you because they believe in all of this. But um, I'm just, I, I'm surprised that more people are like, mm, I'm not buying it. I mean, I don't really interact with a lot of people who don't sure. believe in astrology. Yeah. I also think that a lot of more people do believe in astrology than they've ever believed in astrology before. Yeah. So, um, so do you, you're, you're saying you're predicting that we could get another little outbreak in November. Do you see, I think a lot of people have a question. Is 2021 going to be better than 2020? Um, I hate doing these predictions like so far in advance, right? Just because I feel that it creates like a lot of fear and phobia. And I feel that like, as an astrologer, like you kind of already know, but like, you don't want to scare people. You know, I do think there are going to be challenges, but they're going to be different challenges. I mean, Mm -hmm. we're embracing a whole new type of living in 2021 because we're entering the age of Aquarius. So it's going to be a whole different type of energy. And, you know, don't forget that, you know, the North node of destiny, which kind of shows the direction that we're going to be in for the next year and a half that entered Gemini in May. And, you know, right before that this year from January until May, we were in the degrees of the North node of destiny where we were at during 9-11. So I think that right now we're kind of, if you can go back to 9-11, I remember that time very vividly. Mm-hmm. And I think that if we go back to the aftermath of 9-11, we're basically kind of in this place of uncertainty and confusion that we're, you know, more than ever, I would say, just because we don't know what's going to happen. And I think that we're getting a lot of mixed messages. So I definitely feel that that is probably going to continue until, you know, I would say for about another year and a half or so Hmm. until we kind Hmm. of really begin to feel that, you know, we like feel comfortable, like doing things even after there's a cure, if there's a vaccine, you know, so we're confused how can life be normal again? And also the age of Aquarius, like I said before, it's not about being like, we're probably never going to shake hands again because being affectionate, like I love Aquariuses, but it's not an attribute that, you know, Aquariuses are just known to be a little bit distant. So that's something that we're probably going to be dealing with for a really long time. Okay. That's depressing. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, But it does make sense. It absolutely makes sense. Uh, Lisa, I want to wrap up just a little bit and get to the final three. But before I do that, where can people check out horoscopes that you write? 
Sure. Um, I write weekly horoscopes for Teen Vogue, mm-hmm. The Hood Witch, and Hello Giggles. Um, you can find daily horoscopes on my Instagram page at Lisa Stardust Astro, or on Facebook at Lisa Stardust, or on Twitter at Lisa Stardust underscore. Um, I also write monthly pet scopes for Rover. So if you want to find a way to vibe with your dog or your cat, make sure to check out your I'm sorry. Wait, hold the phone. You write pet scopes too? Yes. Okay, we okay, we have we have to take a second. Okay, how did you get into this? Um I mean, pets, animals are living things. They have horoscopes too. So So you base I it think, off their birth date? Yeah, like their birth date. Some some a lot of animal owners know their um, pets yeah. time of birth. I do. And they give we get we do readings. Like can even do a reading based on the owner's chart as well about their pet and a lot of people really like it because it's a way for them to communicate with their pets or understand what's going on. That's amazing. Amazing. So pets have signs, obviously, is what you're saying. Yeah. Any living thing has a sign. Yeah. Okay, this is too cool. And you write pet scopes for who again? You said Rover? Yes. Okay. So essentially just if you know your animal's birthday then you can figure out their sign then you can read their horoscope yeah okay and so that probably explains why your pets are a little maybe grumpier at at certain times of the year than others yeah um you know some people like i've you know i have a i have a colleague who's also a really good friend of mine and she was having some issues with her with her cat and you know like behavioral issues and I was like well like your cat just isn't really used to you working at home and like it's really confusing because they're you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like they're having a really hard time adjusting and you know she was like really worried and then she took the cat to the vet and the vet was like I think it's behavioral like I think that your cat's acting out and that's exactly what I had said too you know just because like you know, pets get anxiety as well. They get stressed out too, you know? Oh, for sure. I see it. I see it all the time with my pets. So that's fascinating. Yeah. I didn't know you did that. That's amazing. And Rover, you said again. Yeah. Okay. I love it. That's so cool. Um, now, if someone wants to, are you taking clients right now? Yeah. You can book a reading on my website, lisasardis.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so yeah. you're just doing that virtually? Um, yeah, I do a lot of readings over the phone mm. just because a lot of people kind of prefer it. They also prefer email readings, which are like one question readings just because it's, you know, they like to under like they'll have like a quick question they'll be at work or, you know, they have a family or they don't have time to sure. really go through a whole thing. So a lot of people prefer email readings these days, but yes, I do phone readings as well. That's amazing. Awesome. You've been a lot of fun. Um, very eye-opening for me. Um, and I love that you do pet scopes. That's just the best. I think that's super cool. Uh, Lisa, let's get to the final three super quickly. Um, what's the best advice you've ever been given? The best advice I've ever been given is to be myself. Or, you know, it's like, if you know, how can people, you know, If you can't be like, you have to love yourself. And if you don't love yourself, then 
you know, I guess RuPaul, that, that quote that RuPaul says, you know, if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love anybody else? So it's really important to really take time, especially in these days, to really give yourself a hug and to just do the best that you can and mm -hmm. whatever you can do is good enough. Yeah. Put yourself first uh, a few times. Um, what's your happy place? Um, I love to go to the beach. My Venus is in cancer. So I love to, you know, crisp like a crab, and like, you know, go swimming in the ocean and, you know, just walk on the seashore. Yeah. So that's my favorite activity. Uh, I feel you there. Um, and then if you were given a final meal and a final drink, what would that be? Um, well, I think a final meal would have to be tacos. And then a final drink would probably, probably, a, I don't, I don't drink. So I think that if I were to drink alcohol, it would be a dirty martini. But <laughs> if it were to be non-alcoholic, I would just like go for it and get like a milkshake with like everything in it. Now you're talking. Because, you know, exactly. Yeah. Have lactose intolerance in the afterlife, if that's possible. <laughs> Yeah, I think I really love the idea of a dirty martini. I just don't like dirty martinis. Just I've never been a fan, but they sure do look cool. Yeah. What would yours be? My final drink? Yeah. Um I'd have lots. <laughs> I'd have like I'd have a glass of bubbles and then I'd have maybe a glass of wine with dinner and then like a little whiskey after dinner. That would be I would line it up like that just because I don't like to discriminate. I like, I like all sorts of, of beverages. So, and that's why I asked this yeah. question because I'm kind of a, I have a healthy obsession with food and drink. So, uh, you've been a lot of fun, Lisa Stardust. And if you want to check her out, she is all over social media and you can go read her horoscopes that are crafted just for you and your sign. If you are listening to this podcast on Apple or Spotify, uh, subscribe, rate, review. It helps other people find us. And you can also watch it at ktbl.com and on YouTube. Just look for Off Script with Trish Close one more time. Lisa Stardust, I'm so bummed we couldn't see you during this uh, interview, but I'm sure oh, glad. I major internet issues. <laughs> my, my Mercury in my astrology chart is retrograde. So it turned, you know, so I'm having a lot of technical issues because I'm having all of these transits to Mercury. So yeah. I'm like, oh, you know. Yep, I'm just blaming everything on the universe these days. So um, exactly. <laughs> exactly, she says. All right, Lisa Stardust, one more time. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.